Yo, this is Trav. Once again, we're back with the Sports Back Bros podcast. This is apologize episode- to them. Apologize to them. Yeah, we're gonna apologize after we tell them okay. this is episode 43. <laughs> because episode 42, we were gonna dedicate it to uh Mariano Rivera, Jackie Robinson, number 42. No, we weren't gonna do that. We were trying to cover up because we screwed up. Well, I did. The glitches were there, we couldn't do it, but we put a show out there anyway. We showed that Thanks, we could still put up with the mess and still go out there and put in the show. I mean, I think that's we did our end of it if people wanted to bear with it. It was the most makeshift bootleg podcast ever, but we got it done. <laughs> you talk about electric tape. We, that's exactly what we did. We, used we, we, even, had a, we even had a guest come on and interact with us. <laughs> and that was a good deal. But we're back now. Things are back under control. Everything should sound right. And we're getting back into the sports. I'm Trav. He's biased. You already know. Bias, let them know what's up on the slate today for real. Yeah, uh, I forgot the list, but <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're going to talk some football. Um, I know Alicia Bumgarner, she got popped for uh, banned substance. We're going to touch on that. Um, you really don't think about women boxers juicing, but there it is. Somebody got caught. Um, and I, I'd probably go in on Enos Cantor later. I don't know oh, if you saw, but it, that needs to be addressed. Now, I got to hear this then because I don't know anything about it. So this is fresh off the press. So when you get into them, well, I'll be just one of the observers along with <laughs> anyone else who's watching or going to end up listening to it. But as you said, man, we got some things to talk about. We're getting into the sports right away. You know, we have our podcast here. We also have Spotify, so check it out over there. But getting into the story that we mentioned yesterday, Michael Orr which is now getting more steam and getting more people involved in the blind side story, the two we family, all of this is now an issue after all of these years when it wasn't an issue, according to him, he didn't find out anything until 2023, which is this year. So that kind of explains that, but why didn't anybody else figure this out? Like when you're an NFL player or your prospective NFL player, everyone finds out much of most of the things about you. You know, you go back to that, high school you go back to their kindergarten you go back to babysitters you're about to invest a lot of money in the first round pick so you want to know as much as you can about the player you're interested i don't know it's an odd situation michael orr saying he didn't get a penny from the movie and the movie was a lie he was never adopted and but they had I guess it's akin to power of attorney over his uh financial or, mm-hmm. or yeah um, situation and he was led to believe otherwise but I, I could see if if a movie's made about me and I don't get a penny from it I'm going to be upset yo that's my story but I, I don't know how this is going to shake out I don't know who's right who's wrong but now the Tuies are saying that Michael threatened them before going public um I don't know. It's <clears throat> much like Northwestern, man. It looks like it's going to get a whole lot uglier before it gets better. But whatever relationship they had, it seems like it's it's splintered. There's no going back. Yeah. I mean, and you know, this is social media. This is the digital age of social media. And we know how everyone is going to be guilty into proving innocent. And any accusations made, you're going to take your sides and you're going to defend one side or the other. And you go to social media platforms and you read some of the comments and you hear the story that seems to be the pronounced story, how Michael Orr is now broke. He doesn't have any money. Now he's going back under twoies. 
But now he's also doing a little bit of the using a little bit of his leverage, being a media guy and being a former player, going on the Jim Rome show. Well, Jim Rome, I believe, is on vacation, but he had a guest host. And I remember him talking, I mean, the way he spoke. I mean, I look at a lot of the comments and the way that he has spoken during that interview, it seems like bro, the movie was an absolute fraud. He's as articulate as you could possibly imagine when you look at the movie and then look at him, the complete contrast. I mean, you're like, wait a minute, something's wrong. I understand artistic license, but night and day, a complete story. Now it turns out that a lot of it isn't true at all. We're just talking about a fairy tale. Yeah, I mean, it was a work of fiction. It's, I mean, according to Michael Oren, it seems that way as well. Um, I don't know. It's it's sad, man. It, because if you believe the movie, you, you think, you know, this couple took him in, brought him into their family, and you never thought that they tried to uh, pull the wool over his eyes in any way. You just thought it was a genuine relationship that they wanted to help someone. And he made it to the NFL, and you figured they supported him and all of that. But now maybe it's not all true. We, we don't know what happened. No, but I think now that he does have that leverage to go on different sports shows and people are asking and de demanding to hear something, he's pretty much articulating what he's he's done in his life. And he kind of, I don't know, he, he's telling the story all over again. In fact, I saw some comments that I was like, hey, what you're saying right now may be a better movie than the actual movie that came out, which now seems <laughs> like fiction. And, and some of the things that he had said, I mean, I believe he said he was already an All-American before he even went to their house. So if that was the case, maybe they saw that potential. Maybe they saw this in an opportunity to go in on him and, you know, we'll take him in because of it. I mean, that's a possibility now. We thought, well, at least the movie had you believe that once they took him in, right. he developed into this kind of player and they just kind of hit the lottery with it and he just ran with it. They supported him and lived kind of happily ever after until now. But now going by his story, he was already – an All-American. He wasn't dumb like the movie. Hey, call it what it is. The movie made him seem like he was an invalid. And I go ahead. No, and he wasn't. I mean, he, he's articulate. As we, we can see right now. He's not just someone who got an education or his articulation from being in, in the NFL and getting money. I just wonder why didn't he ever comment before? Like, hey, it was a good movie. Just don't think all of it was accurate. You know, dropping hints here and there. But I, I'm, I don't recall him even commenting on the movie or or disputing its accuracy at all. Uh, you would you would think uh, like what you just mentioned, if that was true, he'd be like, hold up. No, I, I, I didn't have a, a 0 0.9 grade point average or whatever it was, a 1.2. Uh, that, that's just not true. I mean, I would say that. I mean, if, if I'm him, I'd be like, yo, man, that movie made me look dumb as a rock. I didn't have no kind of education. I was reading at a second grade level. That's not true. I may not be the best reader, but I could read from my grade level at least. I mean, say something. Yeah, and a lot of times when you look back on it, he was kind of promoting the show, promoting the movie himself. I mean, when they were asking <clears> him about certain things, he was pretty much going along with it. I mean, this thing is so murky. Now, I don't, well, when it comes down to something like this, the movie made over $300 million or somewhere around that. So he's looking to get something out of it. But I'm wondering, in a way, is he coming out now because he did not do well with his NFL money? 
I don't know. We're not his accountant. We don't know what's going on. Everyone's speculating, and we know. I'm sure, what that's what the Tuies will say. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what they're saying. They said but they're you, but hold up, hold up. You know, if Mister Tuies this the successful businessman, why didn't he help him out during his NFL career? You know, if they really took him in and, and cared about him, hey, Michael, this is how you you do your money. You know, take care of your money. That's true. You know, invested in this, or you buy one of my stores. Now you're a store owner too. You know, or something. Lead him. Lead him. Show him the ropes. I have if, no if he's broke, then they failed him too. So now, so now we're looking at the movie, which is turning more and more fictional as we speak about it. And then we're looking at what he's saying right now, which I don't know could be fictional, but some people want it to be more realistic because they want to hit on the twoies. You know, and. Well, did they really have the success they had? I mean, obviously they had money, but did they have it to the, the degree the movie made it out to be? You know, I don't think I heard anyone say that they weren't as rich or didn't have as many franchises as they claimed to have. It's just, it's a murky situation. It's kind of a heartbreaking situation if something is wrong because someone's wrong in this ultimately. They're either lying or he's lying. There's something in between that's still uncouth. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know what to really think of it right now, but I'm thinking he's getting the momentum going on these shows and by just the empirical evidence of reading the comments, we can see that uh, these people, just uh, that the people who are listening are actually taking his side. Another question is, why didn't they adopt him? You know, I don't know. You know, why, why just take control of his finances? It, it makes you know what it makes everything seem like they're they are at fault. It makes everything seem like they were the ones being malicious and that he was a victim in this, you know. And he said he thought that the conservatorship was going to be the adoption. They told him it was going to be an adoption. I think ultimately they're going to go into a courthouse and they're going to get these things figured out. And the truth, um, as it is, is going to ultimately come out because right now we're dealing with the truth as we know it which means it's not true at all because you have the fictional movie and you have a different story right now. So I know this is just the beginning of it. It's going to get dusty. It's going to get nasty. And I don't know. We're acting like we're part of the family because we saw the movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're feeling bad for people here and there. We don't know how to feel yet. But, you know, the, the accusation that he threatened them before going public, what kind of threat was it? I'm going to come over there and yeah. fuck you up or I mean – I, I don't know. I find that hard to believe. If they, how how could someone be that ungrateful if you took them in and you know took care of them? Um, it, I, I would think it, someone would try and reach out to them like Michael. Come over. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss it. Let's work it out. We care about you. We you know we don't want we don't want to lose you as a family member, but. If that didn't happen or that wasn't even attempted. Potential family member now. (laughs) I'm just saying, I mean, if you really care for somebody and they call you and they're pissed off about, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you would think. Come over here and kick my ass. But before you kick my ass, let's talk about it. There's too much embarrassment to go around for someone to be wrong. And the family, the Tui family says that this is a shakedown. This is what they're calling it. Now all gloves are off. They're going to get a shakedown, like yo, the, the American big the gangster, water. yeah, American gangster, you know, uh, Bumpy Johnson, <laughs> whatever, you know, they, <laughs> he's coming in there, you know, they're making it seem as if 
you know, they don't, he doesn't get his way that someone's going to get physically harmed because of it. I mean, they're calling it a shakedown, and I don't think that this is something they can go back to. You know, they can smile in front of the cameras when this thing comes to some type of resolution. And I don't think it's going to be good on either side, but there's just no way I believe it can go back to what, hell, go back to what we believed it was. Because we still don't know anything. The movie <laughs> sets us up for everything that we say. You know, at, at the same time, though, it could. I, I hope that it's not somebody in Michael's ear saying, you know, them white people this, those white people that. they, You, you, know, know, you know what I'm saying? I, I hope it's not that either. Yeah, I would not be surprised, man, because in this age we live in, where everyone wants to be in your ear. Everyone uses or manipulates uh, a social something in order to make you think one way or the other. And but going by his interviews, and I don't, I know you don't want to just go by interviews. You would think that he's more intelligent to just take someone's word and run with it with something that big, you know. But you know, his his stories are seeming like they're making more and more sense. And we'll have to wait to hear the end of these stories or at least more in depth on both sides and decide who the liar is because there's a liar somewhere. <laughs> and there's a liar somewhere. We're going to have some, to hear it. Something's not right. Something is not right. Yep. So, I mean, it, it's not right. Something's amiss, as they would say. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and, it, and it, it, we got blindsided by it, man. I mean, he's not the only one. boom, Hey, speaking of blindsided, hey, Deshaun Watson was blindsided. Hey, let's get back to the overall football. Preseason has started. We've already spoken about that when it did start. But now we can get into some of the nuances and direct storylines. Deshaun Watson, we know his issue, what's happened with him outside of football and the reason why he couldn't play for the Texans, the reason why he's going into his second year with the Cleveland Browns. They had a dual session scrimmage, I guess, practice with the Philadelphia Eagles, and there were shots taken, but there weren't cheap shots like we would think and like we would do if we were out there. They're just talking about slapping a ball out of his hand. What do you make of anything like that? Does it matter? No. I mean, if that's what happened, I mean, deal with it. It's, you know, the teams get tired of beating up on each other. They see an opponent. They get fired up. It gets ratcheted up a level or two. And you, you see, I mean, it's the enemy. You're scrimmaging against the enemy now. Yeah, let's let's get at it. Let's get at it. And yeah, you don't want to take take a cheap shot and hit him, knock him down, go for his knee or anything like that. But hey, smack the ball out of his. Oh, what, what's that do? Pick the ball up, run the next play, man. Stop whining. If you ask me, it's just clickbait because they know when they say someone takes cheap shots at Deshaun Watson, you're not even talking about the physical nature of football. You're thinking about somebody under the huddle or somebody under a pile saying, hey, look what you did. Giving him the business. Giving him the serious business, telling him what he did or telling what they think he had done. You know, just saying the things that happened during a football game. A lot like boxing when guys just start saying things, like Ollie saying a bunch <laughs> of things or Floyd saying things, trying to trigger someone. And But this was just that. I don't think it's, I think it's much ado about something, much ado about nothing. And on top of that, he's going into his second year with Cleveland. No one's forgetting what the issues were with him and what the issues still may be with him. You know I mean? No one's forgetting that because, you know, I think that there may be some people out there who think that, man, he's still playing. It's just a matter of time before the feminist groups and everybody else get back on the job as the season starts and go outside of, you know, outside of Cleveland and start doing what they do. But yeah, I just thought I'd just throw that little story out there because it was kind of clickbait. I was expecting some creative things to be said 
not just a slap of the hand and all this other chip and stuff that happens in the. See, I saw the headline, but I didn't click on it. I just figured, hey, it's it's uh, two teams <laughs> in preseason. It happens, you know. Growing up, I, I I remember seeing highlights. Oh, this team got in a fight with that team during their Ooh. practice today. I mean, it's common. It's common practice. So, so, oh, he got hit a couple of times. Big deal. Yeah, I remember watching one. Well, of you're saying he didn't even get hit. I mean, I, I'd be embarrassed if I wrote that story. I'd be embarrassed if I wrote that story. So, whoever that is, you're a piece of crap. <laughs> it's a slow. It's a slow media day. I don't they care. They don't care. Don't make stuff up. No, they didn't want to do their. They didn't want to do their real job of sports. They just wanted to stick with just football and try to get into the groove earlier than it should have been gotten into. I mean, he could have said it was an uneventful practice. They knocked the ball out of his hand. He got he got a little uh, disgruntled about it, but nothing happened. No, no punches were exchanged. No wrestling matches. It was uneventful. That's your story. Because nothing did happen. That's it. It's all about clicks and eyeballs now, man. So um, as the preseason continues to move on, the injuries pile up as well. So we already know that, you know, some players have gone down. Some may be out for the re- for the season. And one of those players, I mean, Russell Gage, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just signed a contract last year, three years, $30 million. He went down in practice, caught it off the field. When you hear that story, and of course you hear about people, oh, um, everyone's quiet and people are looking at him. And it, it, it rarely ends well. In the preseason, you know, during training camps, when an injury like that happens, a lot of times you're hoping and wishing. It was like hopes and prayers. When they start saying that, it looks like the next news that comes out is, you know what, he's out for the season. You hope it doesn't happen. You know it's part of the game. You just, a young player like that, you just hope that he gets the opportunity to continue to live up to the contract and all that stuff that comes with it. But this looks like it might be serious. Was it a non-contact injury or did it happen on on, on the play? I think it might have been on a play, a non-contact. I think it might have been on a play. He made a, I think he made a catch or might have broke out of a pattern, uh, a route. But this is where he ends up, and it's just bad. How it, you know, if it is something that bad, um, you know what? This is one of those times where you're like, if he's out for like five games, you'll be happy with it. You know what I'm saying? Because at least he can right. continue his career. Doesn't have to do that serious surgery. You know how it is to come back from something like an ACL, and how, I mean, how you know mentally. You know, it screws you up mentally and physically when you go through that. I still can't even fathom what Adrian Peterson did and came back and got two grand off of a freaking knee, knee injury. And he was a running back. A yeah. receiver doesn't get hit like that. A running back, he came back and did that. Yeah, but Russell Gage looks like things aren't looking up to him. Hopefully better news comes along and we can give you that news on another episode. I wish it came along as we were doing the episode. We could talk about it right now. But and then with that as well, you know, you have Traylon Burks for the Tennessee Titans, he is now injured. Now, um, I don't know. They said low knee leg injury right now. You see, uh, DeAndre Hopkins just went to the Tennessee Titans, and he was looking at that as a nice compliment along with the rest of the receiving core. Well, now he picked the wrong team. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, God, man, you got to really think about what you're doing. Don't go to places with thin wide receiving cores, especially when you're the guy coming in and you're supposed to be better than everybody else. Right. Um, not really much I can say. I think you covered it. I mean, D-Hop came in there. He's going to need some help. Can't do it all by himself. And nope. it looks like he, they just lost one guy. So uh, good luck to the, to the Titans. Man, the Titans, I mean, look, the AFC South 
it's the Jaguars and Titans if you look at it on paper right now. If everything just ended today with the teams that they have, you know, no more injuries going into the season, you would have the Jaguars probably winning the division, and then the Titans would be the only threat because we already see what the Colts are doing. We mentioned yesterday how uh, Richardson is going to be, well, the starting quarterback, the number four pick overall, who did not look good in his first start in the preseason. And, and then you have the, 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 the Texans. Obviously, you know, they're not looking to make any pushing for the next year or so. You know, with C.J. Stroud as their quarterback, who did look so good, but they can live with it. They were bad last year. That's how you get the number one pick. <laughs> but they didn't get the number one pick. Dude, um, you know, I mean, that's how you oh, – yeah, yeah, I'm so used to them getting the number because one. Lovey Smith, Smith wanted that W. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you played to win the game. Yeah, that's true, too. But trust me, I know all about that. I, you always say, yo, you go back to the Jets. Hey, I'm going back to the Jets. That's what happens. When we were supposed to have gotten Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence, the Jets decided they want to go on some type of a win streak. What the hell? All year long, you just <laughs> – Take it like you got, got a rod now, you'll be okay. Oh, hell well, yeah, we got him now. Well, let's hope he lives up to some expectations. You know, Brett Favre lived up to somewhat of expectations, but the defense wasn't what it is now. But either way, we're not going to take this to the Jets. But yeah, the this AFC South, I think, is the anchor of that division, are going to be the Jaguars, and everything else is kind of chasing the Jaguars. But now it just hurts Tennessee again. To now have a, a one of their players down, you're going to rely specifically on DeAndre Hopkins, who's had injury issues of his own recently. So hey, let's see how that turns out. And um, whoever thought that we'd be talking to AFC South football, and that's pretty much football right now as it goes on a Wednesday in the middle of the week. NFL uh, the games don't start again until what I think Thursday or is it Friday and Saturday. Nevertheless, football's already on the scene NFL wise. And we get a chance to talk about some boxing, which we did not talk about yesterday. Alicia Baumgartner, now we didn't talk about that yesterday. I weren't going to talk about it because the news just came up. A female champion, a female boxer, pops dirty on a steroid. I mean, on steroids. I mean, you mentioned it already earlier this, this show. You talk about the men all the time. And now we have a woman doing the same thing. I guess these equal rights are a thing. <laughs> are are they subjected to uh, like vital testing and, and stuff? Also, I mean, because I I watch women boxing, but yeah, I, do I, too. I don't follow them like 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 that. I would assume that they would do all of the same things that the men do because right now I I hear they're waiting for her B sample the same way they would do for a man, mm-hmm. and we just don't you know we don't know how it's going to come out, but typically it doesn't come out well. And if it does, you'll talk about boxing shenanigans if it did. You know what I mean? It came back clean this yeah. time. Don King did something. He has nothing to do with this. But yeah, yeah but- I just wonder if it was tainted meat like Canelo ate or was it <laughs> something she was actually taking? I don't know. Well, I'm thinking that it was something she was actually taking because when you go back to Canelo, I heard that there is a, a inordinate amount of of hormones, I guess, put into the beef down in Mexico. So there was an argument to be made. So do you agree or do you know? I mean, you've been to Mexico. I mean, you're Mexican. You have families, live, you know, Mexican to live down in. Does that happen or is that something? Is that a thing? To be honest, I, I don't know. It was like when I was down there, we didn't test the meat. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> Canelo, Canelo's a cheater, man. I don't care. I'm not trying to justify it. What I said was sarcasm, man. Well, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> I, that's why I call him Cheetah Lowe. 
Yeah, well, you know what? And you have a right to do it, man, because the story he came up with, you know, but I, I haven't other... When in history has a guy uh, who tested positive for a banned substance blamed the food he ate? Oh, it was the steak. It was tainted steak. Come on, man. Now, now you can't you can't eat tacos. <laughs> that was one of the stories I heard when it had come up. They're saying that the some of the beef down in in that area, you know, sometimes you know they make them bigger, making the cows bigger. By well, just remember, them. just remember this. De La Hoya said when those pictures came out of him in the fishnets, he had enough money and power to make yeah. them go away. They even had a guy say the pictures were photoshopped and they weren't they're real no, he admits it now so who put that 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 story out that oh yeah there there is a lot of hormones and come on man it, the no. hormones the hormones in the meat just happen to be a banned substance for boxers hmm yeah okay a lot of everything that's happened now and canelo not being with delahoya i'm surprised delahoya hasn't really expounded on what the deal was with that because he doesn't mind looking bad, as we now know, throwing his mom under the bus. So why would he say, you know what, I, I lied on that one too? And feel just as good because, bro, you threw your mom under the bus, bro. You have no ceiling and no basement either. <laughs> well, you know, he's doing his tour, going on, talking about his story uh, because Golden Boy came out recently. So he's going out there. I'm not sure if he's hyping it up, but he's answering questions. I saw he was on the Breakfast Club, but uh, he, whatever. I mean, Canelo probably has more money than than De La Hoya. Probably maybe so. not because De La Hoya was the he's the owner of Golden Boy. You know how promoters get theirs. Yeah, but, but as far as De La Hoya's level as, as as a boxer and Canelo's level as a boxer, the money they had. I, Canelo got way more money than Danilo, than De La Hoya had back then. Yeah, absolutely. That one contract that he had initially that was voided because of COVID. But at one point, I know De La Hoya's net worth was $300 million. And I know that had a lot to do with, you know, his uh, Golden Boy Productions. I mean, that's the, that's his entity. And so, you know, $300 million is out there. It probably, you know, increased, but it probably could have gone down now that Canelo's not there. And Ryan Garcia just had to, you know, <laughs> lost the tank. So that doesn't help the brand either. Yeah, I, I, I can't even think of who else is with Golden Boy right now. That's why I just brought up Ryan Garcia. Right? And they, <laughs> he's not even with Golden Boy. He's trying to not leave when they're suing him. He try, yeah, exactly. He's suing him. So I, I don't think he's going to really get out of it, man, because he was legitimately their fighter. This happens in boxing, though, where some of these contracts don't seem to matter. For regular people, yeah, contracts do matter. For boxers, when you have guys in the past like Don King filling out the blanks on some of these contracts and the and the fighter just had already pretty much signed it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just the shenanigans of boxing. But fighters getting popped, I mean, obviously, with I haven't even oh, talked about Alicia. Uh, you know what? <laughs> well, she she popped. We talked about it. She popped on her steroid you test. Mentioned it. She popped on her steroids, and I mean, what's next? I mean, um, more people are watching. Guess we just boxing. wait for sample B. Yeah, we're waiting for and sample B now. Because and if um, it comes back positive, well, then we just rip her to pieces. Yeah, and it, it's not like a major fight is coming up for her to where we can say it's canceled now. Because like AJ, not that a major fight was coming up. I mean, Dillian White, I don't believe is a major fight. It was just another feel-good story fight that would have ended with an uppercut because Dillian White gets knocked out by uppercuts. So, I mean, but he popped on a dirty test. 
And I remember AJ talking about he's not going to fight a drug cheat and all that kind of stuff. And then he fights Robert Hellenius, and that brings us to our next topic of Robert Hellenius fighting um, Anthony Joshua. It was supposed to be a showcase of, um, of how much AJ has improved as a boxer under Derrick James. There isn't any, I know, and it's just the first fight between these two. There isn't any Derrick James influence going into this fight. Now, don't make any wise cracks about his influence on Spence when he fought Crawford, but there wasn't any Derrick James influence in this fight. In fact, uh, AJ got busted up a little bit, swollen eye, bloody nose. The same guy that Wilder knocked out in a couple of steps. I'm, I'm going to just say it flat out. AJ's just not that good. He's not that good. He gets knocked out by Fury. He gets knocked out by Wilder. Oh, he lost. He lost to Usyk. And and if you right. can't compete with the top three, right? If you can't compete with the top three heavyweights, you're pretty much. What, what, who are you? You're nobody. He already you're not nobody. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. You, yeah. You don't deserve no shot at the yeah, champ. And they're talking about uh, he's going to fight Wilder next. Please, I want to see that fight. I want to see a good knockout. Uh, I think you get him inside three or four rounds. I, yeah. I've always said Wilder was better than AJ. A lot of people said, oh, Wilder. And even you, with his windmills, this and that. Yeah, he might throw windmills, but when he lands, it's night-night time. And the deal is, when Wilder, um, when they were both coming up, no one knew, you know, sight unseen pretty much. AJ, you know, you fell in love with the physique, and then you saw some of the boxing skill. He was still wooden, but you thought he could work on those things. Because remember, the Klitschko's were stiff as well. And when Manny Stewart came in with at least uh, Vladimir Klitschko, he loosened them up a little bit, still a little bit, but he was methodical anyway, but he made him a, a, a much better fighter than he once was. <clears throat> and I thought the same thing with AJ. I thought it was just a matter of him continuing to learn. Like a lot of heavyweights, he didn't have a, an, an elaborate uh, amateur background to where he can hone the skills. Like an Andy Ruiz, by the way, who also beat AJ, who honed his skills at a lower weight. And when he got to, you know, became a heavyweight, he was a, had over 100 fights as a heavyweight, an amateur boxer fighting now as a heavyweight, so the, fight, the skills were refined. That wasn't the same way with Anthony Joshua. I thought he would ultimately get better. I thought the skills would pay the bills against somebody like Deontay Wilder, but we found out a lot more about Deontay Wilder, even while he loses to Tyson Fury over the years. He has enormous heart. This guy's not going anywhere. You got to put him to sleep, almost kill him. And MJ won't be around long enough to do that. You know what I mean? So you're right. Two, three rounds. And I'll be disappointed if it goes that long. Except for the second fight. I mean, Wilder almost won. He almost won the first fight when he dropped him in the 12th yeah, round. He dropped him. How, how Fury woke up. I mean, that's almost <laughs> a miracle. Because the way he fell, I mean, he was out. But he got up. You know, kudos to, to Fury. And then in the, in the third fight, Wilder fought his ass off, man. He dropped oh, Fury twice. Yeah. And, you know, in the end, he was taking – he was getting a beating Ooh, he when he dropped him. And, like, whoa, like, oh, my gosh, Fury's in trouble. Um, Wilder, he's not an easy night for anybody. No, he's not. He's and, not. If and if you're hesitant and, and a little bit chinny, good night. Yep, that's the last thing you need to do is deal with Deontay Wilder, regardless of the lack of a skill set. The power is still there. I still say I can't quantify the power, but with the guys who are holding titles or boxing today and considered top fighters, I can quantify it against these guys. I'm talking about being able to quantify it the way some people think. All-time puncher, 
you know, when you're fighting AJ, who's chinny, and you're fighting other guys, you know, that are chinny, and Eric Molina, who's chinny, you know, you really can't quantify those guys. So you can't say he would have done the same thing to George Foreman, done the same thing to Joe Frazier, or Ken Norton. I think Ken Norton he would have done it to. But other fighters from that era, that's what I meant. But yeah, but yeah, talent-wise, uh, Ernie, Ernie Shavers, I mean, the heavy puncher, mm -hmm. man. Not, who that lands first? Uh, exactly, Ernie Shavers, who lands first. And with Deontay Wilder just throwing wild shots and Ernie Shavers not necessarily being able to move away because he doesn't have the skill because he's busy trying to land his own shot. I mean, we're talking about a double knockout here in the first round. I don't know. Yeah, but, but yeah, of all these years, I thought that Deontay Wilder would lose to AJ. And I just recently, not recently, actually over the past couple of years, realized that's just not happening. I mean, this is who we have. This AJ here isn't getting much better. And I think he even knows that. And after this last fight that he had with um, uh, against Robert Hermanius, I mean, styles make fights. So I just can't say because Wilder blew Hermanius out of one round that AJ should have done the same. They go about their business differently. But still, I mean, from the body of work that I've seen from AJ, from the Usyk fight, so now in other fights he's had, he gets knocked out by Wilder as soon as he gets hit. I mean, this guy gets buzzed by Andy Ruiz in the 10th round of the rematch when Andy wasn't in any condition to be fighting, but he was still fighting. He gets buzzed. Yeah, he was still he was still celebrating. Yeah, exactly. He was still celebrating. I mean, Andy Ruiz, man, is one of these dudes that frustrates the hell out of you, man, because when he's on top of his game, Skill-wise, you can watch him fight. You know what I mean? You look at his body, you ignore it, you see him fight, you know he has the skills. But then he just threw it all away. I mean, he, there was a lot of pride in doing what he had done. You know what I mean? The Mexican community and whatnot, you would think he would embrace that and move forward and fight like a Mexican fighter would fight. Nah, the dude Yeah, he, he's, he was the exception to the rule. Yeah. You know, the boxing rule that fighters become better once they become champ, <laughs> that did not apply to Andy Brewers. And that's true. And exactly, Andy Ruiz didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Now he's trying to come get a payday. Yeah, I need to fight this guy next. He was supposed to have fought Wilder. They haven't fought, and they're probably not going to fight. He wants a rematch against AJ, and after seeing him the other night, I see why. You know, <laughs> he'll probably beat him again. He'll he'll come in shape. The the video I have saw I have seen on of uh, Andy Ruiz recently, he looks pretty. I don't know. He looks he slimmed down a lot. I don't know if there's camera angle, whatever. Looking well, let's talk about uh, Emmanuel Navarrete and Oscar Valdez. Oh, man. Now, that's what we should have been spending like a 20 minutes on. If you all are boxing fans or you're on the fence of boxing, that fight is the fight you probably should have watched. I mean, two out going into the fight, very good fighters. Now, I think Navarrete is on the cusp of being a great fighter. And there was no coincidence <clears throat> of the fight that those two have put together. It was 41 years to the date that Salvador Sanchez had passed away. And on top of that, to see Navarrete, Navarrete fight the way he fought, he fights like Salvador Sanchez. It's almost blasphemous to say <laughs> it. I'm saying in terms of his stoic demeanor, he doesn't make he doesn't change his expression. He comes in, he means business, he gets hit with a hard shot. He has the same expression, same way as Salvador Sanchez. And when he throws a hard punch, he doesn't grind and throw it. He throws his shot, same freaking facial expression. You don't know what the heck you got going on. If he's down in the fight, you don't know. If he's ahead in the fight, you don't know. In the 10th round, he threw 128 shots. Yeah, I mean, he threw over 1,000 total in that fight. Yeah, and it was and, hard. I mean, yeah, and poor Oscar's eye, man. I don't know if his orbital bone was broken, but it was swollen. Oh, my gosh, it was grotesque. 
Um, Valdez, he's a good fighter, not a great fighter. Um, he doesn't have enough power for his style, you know, when he steps up in, in class. Yeah. Plus, he moved he moved up a weight. But, I mean, a really good fighter, ton of heart. Uh, can't take anything away from him, but uh, Emmanuel put it on him, man. Oh, man, did he? You know, I wasn't expecting that kind of a beating. I mean, that's what he got, a beating. But the one thing, even though he gave the beating the way he did, but the 119 scorecard, I think, was another one that was a little bit off outlandish. 117, I think, was more in line with what happened in the ring. But a 119 card, we've seen some pretty bad judges in boxing this season, this year. I mean, there's been a lot, some bad judges. We have some great fights, but these judges kind of ruined the fights. You know, at the end, even though you know who the winner is, they give you these crappy cards. And you're like, wait. You know, you look at the Devin Haney and the Loma card, you're tripping over that. Like, yeah, what, that what, was what watching, and and they're never held accountable. Exactly, that's the thing about it. It's rare that a judge has a terrible scorecard that nobody agrees with, and anything happens to them. Nothing. I, I mean, mean they, they should have their their pay docked or something, a a hundred day suspension, something. I don't know. I remember C.J. Ross. You know that when. Floyd fought Canelo. She came with this ridiculous scorecard and made it a draw. And I'm like, um, well, for her, it was a draw. And, you know, it was a majority decision for Floyd. It was ridiculous that it happened that way. And it was a complete schooling by Floyd. But she got $8,000 for that fight, you know what I mean, as, a, as an official. And my contention was, man, maybe there was some type of a prop bet out there for a majority decision. She put that eight grand on. <laughs> Knowing that the other guys were going to see it the right way. You know, she could do this. She could take that chance, yeah. throw it out there, knowing that these other guys are gonna get it right because Floyd should beat him. And then that, when they came down, she she retired. She hasn't. I don't think she's uh, has ref, uh, has judged another fight since. Um, that could be as far as her having a, a prop bet or something. But I remember watching the replay of that fight and seeing her ringside. Her eyes were fixated on Canelo. She wasn't watching like both fighters. They were wow. fixated on Canelo. If he was on the right, her eyes were looking to the right. If he was on the left, her eyes were looking to the left. Wow. Like, she was just fixated on him. And I'm like, what? No wonder why she scored it like that. He's the only one that did anything in her eyes. <laughs> My man was shadow boxing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, I never even, even watched it like that and saw her. You know, I know it's, sometimes when you watch fights over and over, you start looking for new things to look for in the audience or look at the fight differently. And that's one of the things I didn't look at to see that she was only paying attention to him. But how could she get away with it? I mean, even though the fight still went the way it should have gone, but how did she get away with that? All they did was say, okay, uh, you're not going to judge fights anymore. They should have done some type of an investigation to find out where some of that $8,000 had gone. Maybe there was yeah. an $8,000 bet made at the casino or something to where it's the, most, the weirdest bet of a majority draw. No, that, that's a serious accusation, man. I don't, I don't know. Oh, I'm not making the accusation. I'm saying maybe there should have been an investigation. And then I would accuse her. <laughs> you know, that, but that was a long time ago. So, and I think she's out of boxing. She's probably just sitting around knitting a pair of boxing gloves. I don't know. But yeah, and then Adelaide Bird is another one with a bad scorecard. You know, she's married to Robert Bird, the referee. You know, and I um, haven't seen her too much these days. I've seen him in some fights, you know, a lot of heavyweight fights, but not her. Yeah, but. That's boxing for you. But that's fight between Navarrete and um, Oscar Valdez, man. I mean, from beginning to end, this is one of those fights that could be – it's fire the entire fight, but there's no doubt who the winner is. You know what I mean? And it's a yeah, dominant there's, there's, there's no quitting Valdez. He was he was getting hit, but he landed some punches also. 
Oh, he no, just he did. didn't have the power to change the outcome of the fight. But those punches he was landing, I'm still remembering how uh, Emmanuel, you know, Navarrete just turned his head and looking straight back at him again. He didn't show any effect. And that's why I was like, man, just like Chavo, man. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what I'm like. Because people talked about how, you know, how Salvador Sanchez was the assassin, the, you know, kind of a baby face assassin. And if you watched him fight, the guy never changed his expression. He's going to the body with his best shot, and he's not, he's just looking at you like he's just staring at you in the picture. And, he, and you're the one hurting. Like, ah, you should have grunted it, man. You should have squint your eyes when you're punching at me. And this is how it was. And he beat him from pillar to post. It was a competitive fight, but it wasn't necessarily competitive. Just now, it wasn't Bud and Spence kind of dominant, but it was completely dominant because at least Oscar was fighting back. Yeah, I, I hope Valdez didn't sustain any serious or permanent damage because uh, he took a sustained beating. He, mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, his eye, his eye was grotesquely swollen. Um, it, who knows if it, if all the swelling's gone by now, you know? So uh, well, I, I, I hope he doesn't have any lingering effects from this fight. Yeah, aside from the eye, just the head damage. I mean, he got hit in the head a whole lot. I mean, he threw a yeah. thousand punches, land over four hundred of those punches, bro. And and it wasn't like he was getting jabbed all night. He was getting caught with that um that uppercut and that left hook. I mean, that upper hook he was getting caught with. I mean, he was getting caught pretty often too. And he just and then when his eye got swollen, he was getting hit with the shots you just couldn't see. Right. And um, you you start wondering, does his corner stop it? Does the, does the doctor need to come in and save him from himself? You know, he's not gonna give up. But, you know, and like a lot of the Mexican fighters, man, I don't even know how the hell they do it. I swear. I mean, I like admiring fighters for being fighters, man, and seeing it for decades. But then there's just something about Mexican and Italian fighters, man, when it comes down to catching the beating, man, they'll hang in until you get tired and then they just knock you over. And that just happens, man. I, <laughs> it's an unbelievable, I mean, it's an unbelievable, I'll call it a phenomenon. That's what it is, man. But anyway, that's what, you know, that fight definitely need to get talked about. And the AJ yeah. fight we'll talk about later after that because it doesn't even really deserve to be talked about, but because it was a heavyweight, because it's AJ, you know, and it was Robert Hellenius, we had to say it because it was boxing. If we're going to talk about Baumgartner, why not talk about them? And that brings us to, well, college football also coming up, you know, in about a week or two. College football will be here. Week zero will start. But going into week zero, the Alabama Crimson Tide, who are always on top for a certain period of time until now, they're going into this season ranked number four. And the team feels disrespected. I mean, J.C. Lathan, an offensive lineman, he's like, what the heck is going on? I see that it's disrespectful for people to see us like this. But when you look at the reality, yo, uh, you probably deserve to be number four. You've lost your number one quarterback. You don't know who your next quarterback is. You have three guys going for this position, and it's not decided, and your game is like right around the corner. Well, you know, they're going to have their chance to, to prove it on the field. Uh, I'm pretty sure George is on the schedule, right? Oh, uh, Not this year. No? Um, if they go to the SEC championship game, they will Oh, yeah. Win. Okay, well, they got to handle their business to meet Georgia. And with LSU still there. LSU is huh? trying to make their move. LSU is allegedly making their move to where they could be a thorn in the butt of Alabama. Remember, Alabama did lose two games. Well, that's what I'm saying. They have to handle business. Yeah, they do. They get knocked off and don't make it to the championship game. Well, obviously, <laughs> you're not number one. No, exactly. But you have to understand the players that came to Alabama to win a championship because they thought it was nearly a guarantee. These five Step stars. Step it up. Guys, Step it up. 
step it up, and that's what they're going to have the to teams do. Teams of the past can't do it for you. But look, they lost Bryce Young, the number one pick in the draft as a quarterback, so that's always going to be a problem. And then you lose Will Anderson, the defensive anchor of your team. I mean, you have Kool-Aid McKinstry in your defensive backfield, but that's not going to win the game. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you have the, the quarterback situation. Then you have two coordinators. You put an offensive and defensive coordinator. No one. Bro, they have to learn these things. The only good thing about on the defensive side, you have Kevin Steele. And Kevin Steele, and the SEC already knows him. I think this is his third stint with Alabama as a defensive coordinator or having input in the defense. The SEC knows who he is. He used to be a head coach at Baylor. So, you know, uh, they know who he is out there. People know who he is defensively. So maybe he can do some of his magic because he's not good as a head coach. He's, but as a coordinator, he seems pretty damn good. He seems pretty damn good as a coordinator. He keeps getting these jobs. Now, he was down in Miami just recently. I wouldn't vouch for that. But he's in Alabama now where the players are actually there to put together and see how good the defense can be. So there's a lot going against Alabama. I mean, look at the quarterback situation. You have Miro, um, um, Miro that's at quarterback who played against, what, Texas last year for a little bit uh, after, um, well, let me see, when Bryce Young got hurt. And he's nothing but a not a running quarterback. He's a fullback. Look how big the guy is. And then uh, you have, uh, let me see, the, the guy they got from um, Notre Dame, Buckner, Ty Buckner, uh, Tyler Buckner. And that's not, I mean, look at his stats. Dude was three touchdowns and five interceptions last season. I mean, that's not exactly helping your offense. And then you have a, a, a Ty Simpson, who is the highest ranked guy on the team in terms of coming out of high school, being a five-star quarterback and being an elite quarterback in high school. But he's still just an elite quarterback in high school playing in the SEC. I just don't see if Alabama, Georgia has a better shot, even though their quarterback hasn't had really that much experience. But yeah, believe it, man. Number I mean, four, we belong right now, and that's where you are. But how is is number four really disrespectful? It's not like they're nineteen or twenty three. I mean, <laughs> then then might you might have a real axe to grind. But number four, come on, your top five, man. Handle it on the business. Handle your yeah. the business on the field. Handle your business on the field. At the end of the season, you'll be where you need to be. But understand, but, understand what what Nick Saban has created in Alabama. All these championships, what six championships? These players come to Alabama to win championships, not just go to the NFL. Of course, that's the end game. But they're coming so, in to win championships. So win it on the field. Stop whining about your ranking. Well, yeah, that's true. Because that's the only way you can do it is on the field. I mean, you're going to play in the SEC, and if you're really about that and Georgia continues to do what they've done, you're going to meet in the SEC championship game. You better handle your LSU business, and then you better handle your Auburn business because there's, there's been too many instances where Auburn wasn't up to par with Alabama, <laughs> and they still came in and upset you somewhere or another or made it too damn interesting for comfort. So, yeah, Alabama. Yeah, but talking uh, – going back to realignment, I saw an article today um, – Trev Albers, former All-American defensive yeah. end on Nebraska and current athletic director, he's he touched on realignment, and he thinks next year is going to be worse as far as, like, if you think it's bad now, wait till next year. There's going to be more movement, and he's expecting super conference. You know, and, I mean, that sounds familiar because I think I've been saying that for a couple of weeks. The Big Ten is going to have their own league eventually. <laughs> Yeah. SEC is going to have their own league, and they probably just play each other and won't play anybody else. Yeah, I thought it would be a super conference between the SEC and the Big Ten. Overall, that would be the super conference, and you could just have one side or the other side, and, you know, now that everyone, the geography doesn't matter, 
You can have everybody in the same conference, have your divisions, and then the ultimate teams who play one another wouldn't be a championship game. It'll be the actual national championship. You know what I mean? Then everybody who's on the outside, well, will be on the outside. Because what, what's the only conference that can break apart now? The Big 12. That's it. The Pac-12 is gone. Now that Pretty Oregon much, State yeah. and Washington State are now going to the Mountain West, you know, Cal and Stanford likely going to the ACC, nothing is left. Those were the last four teams. So the Big 12 losing Texas and Oklahoma, that's a lot of money leaving. And the Oklahoma State has some money too. You know, that uh, uh, T. Boone Pickens money is still there, even though he's gone. You know, but I think that's the next conference where they can start pillaging from and just getting rid of that conference between the Big 10 and the SEC. That's what it's going to come down to. The ACC is the one who's going to have to start making some moves and start bringing teams in so they could be competitive. And Florida State, I think, is still – well, Florida State and Clemson are still the teams that are going to decide where the ACC goes. Miami has the brand and all of this, but they haven't been playing well enough in order to make a real decision right now. And that's just football. They play well in basketball. We know that. And it's not just a football conference. But, you know, um, it's going to be interesting moving forward. But Trev Alberts, man, a, a freaking name from the past. Man, I used to like his commentary. I mean, Trev Alberts was legit. But, um, yeah, I forgot he was the athletic director at, uh, at Nebraska now. Mm -hmm. Well, and he's making things happen here, too. Apparently, you know, a nice Matt Rule signing and Matt Rule doing some nice signings and getting commitments from four- and five-star players, something that hasn't been done in Nebraska in a, quite some time. Right. And after a while, they may get back to prominence. Hey, Nebraska fan or not. They're on the right path. Huh? They're they're on the right path, you know. Yeah, he did, he wasn't the one that hired Frost, so Rule was his guy. Frost didn't work out. Yeah, uh, Matt Rule was his guy. Matt Rule seems to have the everything rolling in the right direction. He's yeah. holding kids accountable. He's getting uh, better recruits in town. Yep. And now it's just up to him to develop them and continue attracting recruits. We'll see. Yeah, and college football, man, is is better when Nebraska is a better team or doing well. College football, as much as people hate Notre Dame, is better when Notre Dame, I mentioned it already, when Notre Dame does well and people can watch them fall off the cliff when they do well and then lose. You know, but there's certain teams in college football when they're doing well, college football is in better hands. Even with all the chaos and all of the changes and conferences and whatnot going on, you know, it's always a big deal, a good deal when Nebraska is doing well. And um, I never disliked Nebraska. I don't, I don't know. I mean, even when they played Miami, I wanted Miami to win, but I never disliked Nebraska. I mean, Tom Osborne was just that guy, man. You liked him. I mean, not only his fans, but people on the outside respected him enough not to hate him. <laughs> I'm serious. If and you're preaching to the choir, you know that. Yeah, so. I, I know that. I mean, if you've been a Nebraska fan that long, yeah. I mean, Tom Osborne, hey, he is Nebraska. I mean, but anyways, we're moving on to the final topic of the night. And wait, 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 wait. Shouldn't what? we go longer since we missed three shows? <laughs> hey, we got one yesterday. Oh, that didn't count. That was on Facebook. That's, that was fun, though. That was, that was Spotify fun listeners, our YouTube watchers. Hey, let's roll. Let's Apple Podcasts, whatever. Because I, I think we need to touch on James Harden. Oh, bro. Yeah, let's do it then. Okay. Run out the next one, and then we'll get to Harden. Well, yeah, Wanda Franco. We already know about what's going on there. And oh, yeah, we talked about him we yesterday. Mentioned it yesterday. POS. Now, you know, a few more details are coming out. And and well, it looks like no matter how you look at it, there's a lot of hot water to be had with him. And he's only 22 years old. The guy's been in the majors for three years already. He's a star player, a budding superstar player, like a you know, 
a lot of Tampa Bay players end up being before they end up leaving Tampa. <laughs> so, but God, man, um, it's going to be uh, he's going to be investigated. I believe in the Dominican Republic. He's uh, going to have he's going to have the word was in front of his name, or to right now they have injury next soon. to his name. They have injury next to his name right now, but they don't they haven't specified the injury. <laughs> well, I don't want to go ahead and use the liberty. I'm just, gonna say, I'm just saying, they're going to say he was such and such. He did play for, I mean, a relationship with a 14 year old. Man, that, that's R. Kelly territory right that's there, man. Kelly without territory, without the hostages. Territory. Yeah, that's that's insane, man. I mean, that's insane. I mean, these man. I mean, what, what more can you say? He's going to be investigated by the um, Gender Violence and Minors Division. Down in, duh, that's what you should be investigating by if that's what it's going to do. But I don't know, man. You know, you talk about a guy who has money, obviously more money than most people, and traveling from city to city, his state to state, you have fans. Even the Rays have fans. And so why can't this guy just deal with someone his own age or find someone who's legal, man? I mean, it doesn't even have to be uh, 25. It could be 18 if that's what you want to do. You're 22. You're not too far removed from it. But you put yourself in this position. You're about to throw away your career. I don't see any way this ends well. Neither do I. I mean, there has to be charges against him. If this is true, had a relationship with a 14-year-old, I mean, there has to be charges against him. His baseball career, career is done, if you ask me. Man, and, and there are going to be people out there because they saw you know his trajectory and how much money there was going to be on the table eventually, and they're going to still look at the baseball part of it. You know what I mean? And it's never fair to if there is a victim, I mean, where there is a victim, they just haven't named them and they're not going to name them because they're a minor. A minor. But man, it's just it's all bad all the way around. There's just not much you can say about it that's going to keep you, that's going to prevent you from cursing them out. <laughs> that's it. That's all I can see. So, yeah, let's put him in the trash where he belongs. We'll bring it up if any other bad news comes up about him because I believe the only news that comes up about him now will be bad news. He will not be vindicated. He will be arrested if he hasn't been already. But, um, James, hey, we talked about James Harden yesterday. But I know you got a hit list with James Harden on it, man. I mean, there's just got to be something. <laughs> you got to be waiting for something, man. This guy said way too much over the past week. To not be on a hit, I, I don't. I don't think it's necessary to go at him like that. I'm. He he, he's not even helping his cause by calling Daryl Morey a liar. Daryl Morey's trying to trade him, and now he he's even more unhappy than he was before. And it's not it's not the first time he has a track record of it. So if you're trading for James Harden, you're thinking, how long before he does this shit to me? to my team, to my franchise, to our players. Yeah. And and Philly saying, I don't know who exactly said it, but I saw a report. They're asking for an elite player and draft picks. If I'm a GM, you call me and you ask for my elite player, I'm saying, I'm going to say, stop playing, man. Give me your real <laughs> offer. Or I'm hanging up. Or I'm hanging up. I don't you're talking about a dude who chokes every year and you want an elite player and draft picks? Man, get out of here, dude. If, I, if I'm if i running the Bulls, I say, I'll, I'll give you Alex Caruso. How about that? <laughs> Click. <Ooh. laughs> 
But I tell you, I, you know, in the NBA, draft picks don't and matter. I probably wouldn't even do that. I don't want Harden on my team. See, you got me going at him now. I don't want Harden on my team. I wouldn't <laughs> trade Alex Caruso. I would not trade Ayo DeSumo. I wouldn't trade nobody for James Harden. I'd cut him from the team. Well, I thought you were going to go in a little deeper. No, no, I'm just yeah, saying. Get, no, it's not a hit list, man. It's not a hit list. You got to get provoked, man, to do it. Yeah, James, <laughs> James Harden, man. I, I, he's doing this from overseas. That's what's even worse, man. It's a bad look. Yeah, it went all the way to China. Come on, you know what man. I'm saying? And how about they say the way Howard is trying to recruit him to come out to China? Bro, I mean, China's not going to pay him with it. You know what they can? They can. I mean, they pay Steph Marbury. But, yeah, but come on, man. I mean, he wants to play in the NBA, and it's an ego thing. I mean, even Sebastian Telfair, when he had a chance to play in China, getting played much more out there than in the U.S. He came back and went to the U.S. and played in Oklahoma State or Oklahoma City. So, I mean, it's it's, it's an ego thing. So, uh, Jay yeah, Hart, I, I just I, – I wonder if he, if he just did that spur of the moment. Uh, but was he – who was he talking to? And why is he telling them that? You know, it's not a press conference, and he, he's he's given his version of, of circumstances of why he doesn't want to be in Philly or why he wants to be traded or why he wants a max contract. He's in China talking to random people. It looks like at a, at a basketball camp or something. And he's, oh, you know what, by the way, Daryl Morey is a liar. Let me say it again. Daryl Morey is a liar. What what are you doing, man? Is that it's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Not professional anything. I mean, not a professional basketball player, not a professional environment. Just him saying any damn thing. I mean, yeah, you're right about some of these teams that may have been interested in him. They see that he's a loose cannon. He's a head case. And this is not all of a sudden. This is who he has been. He has shown himself to be this kind of guy for quite some time now. I mean, I've never had an opinion of James Harden years ago. I thought he was just a great player, a good player that had the potential to be great. And then now everything happening but greatness. And, and you're waiting for him to get it done in the playoffs, and he never got it done. No, yeah. But on the, uh, he probably called home. He said, hey, I'm going to be home sometime maybe Friday, Saturday. Uh, dust off the fat suit. I'm going to need it. <laughs> Well, he's going to have to shed that. Well, you know what? And if he does that deliberately, comes into camp, if he ends up in camp and he's overweight, out of shape, he knows it's going to no, make is he, 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 You know he had to have a fat suit to get traded out of Houston because his first game with the Nets, he looked like he lost 50, 60 pounds. He was wearing a fat suit, man. He's going he's gonna to dust it off and, and have it ready for Philly if he doesn't get traded. Hey, next month basketball starts, man. I always say SUNY Purchase. That's up there in New York for the Knicks. So SUNY Purchase starts next month. I mean, we'll be talking basketball before you know it, not to mention college basketball starting up. Yeah, but the NBA, I think there's a lot that people are interested in going into this season with this recent draft class and a couple of players mixing and matching with teams. The Golden State Warriors, we know about the Chris Paul deal and how this is going to work with Steph Curry. Mm. You know, Is Steph Curry going to be the shooting guard? No. I mean, what's, what's going to happen here? I don't know, but you mentioned the Warriors, and it just reminded me. Kevin McHale went at Draymond Green. He said wow. he ain't grown enough to 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 guard me. He's not what? <laughs> grown enough? He's not grown enough to guard him. You know what? Now, does he mean does he mean in height or 
Man, I don't know, but old time, hey, man. But I, I agree with Mikael. There ain't no way Draymond's guarding Mikael in the post. No. Mikael will work him, man. He's turn around, shoot over him, give him a couple pump fakes, do the, the up, up and under dips he do. Man, he dropped 30 on Draymond. Man, Easy. I cannot stand when these players of today act like these dudes from back, even just in the 80s, weren't great players, man. I mean, if you go back to the 60s, you look at Bill Russell and his contemporaries, you could probably make somewhat of a case because, you know, it was still kind of sort of the infancy of the NBA and there weren't as many teams. But in the 80s and even in the 90s, it's a lot like today's basketball, just different now because you have a lot more athletes playing and there's the, the rules are different. I mean, there's a lot different rules. You know, we were talking earlier about hand checking and all the things that you can do back then. And Jordan still was able to prevail and get ridiculous points. And what would he do today when those things not are in the way to impede his his progress from trying to score all these damn points? He would probably be killed it today as well. You know, and, and, and conversely, I was talking about with um LeBron James playing back in the 80s or even the 90s and still being the same guy with their rules he would have grown up with and not knowing that flopping was a good thing. Like he knows now, that's why he does it. You don't want me to comment on that, man. Uh, uh, I'll pass. I'm trying to get I'll a rant out of you, man. I'll pass. I'll pass on that. <laughs> I just say Jordan would have, would in playing today. Jordan at his at his best. The season he averaged thirty seven. He'd probably average at least forty forty two plus, maybe, maybe. Man, I mean, because the lane man. the lane would be wide open. He'd get to the basket at will, and. It wasn't like he couldn't shoot three pointers. The, the game was different back then. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's gonna be a 45% three point shooter, but he would shoot more and he's cool and he'd make more. Um, because that's part of the game now. But at the same time, if nobody can guard him, you can't hand check him, you can't move him into another guy who's gonna hammer him in the face, he's gonna get to the basket and score easily. He, he would he, he'd be a cheat code. He, he yeah, right. Ridiculous. Yeah, that would be. Not, I mean, the, the man was so the man was so athletically gifted. His quickness, I, I it was almost after, unmatched for for a guy his size. I mean, the there have been quick guys, but they've always been smaller. But Jordan was just as quick as anybody at six six. Yeah, at six six, he had the vertical. He played the defense, so he was tenacious on both ends of the floor. We just don't have that today, and that's probably not going to happen again because it's such an offensive game, kind of like the NFL, an offensive game. There isn't much defense played, and the teams that do play defense, kind of like you know the Miami Heat, you get them a lot more credit than they probably deserve because they're just doing something that everyone else isn't doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, man, look at that defensive team, you know, and because, well, that's what they're doing, and no one else is doing it. Everybody's busy trying to posterize someone, giving mean mugs down by 30. You know, all that kind of stuff, man. That's what we're getting today. <laughs> hey, but, but you say you want to rant out of me. When, when it comes to the end, I got one. I told you, Enos Cantor. Oh, Enos Cantor. Yeah, you did tell me that. So how about that? I mean, what more do you want to go? What more do you want to add to the legend today before we get to Enos Cantor? I don't know. What are we missing? Well, I, think I don't know. Why is Justin Fields getting hated on? He, he played two I, I, series. I gave him credit yesterday, man, about how he hey he, he, he played he, he played two series of a preseason game that nobody cares about, and people were throwing shade his way. You know how it is. Should, the, should the wide receivers should DJ Moore have gone down and not ran for fifty five yards? 
I mean, it, Justin Fields could have thrown those same three passes during real games last year to the receivers they had last year, and they would have they would have accumulated maybe nine or eleven yards. <laughs> That's the difference this year. He has a weapon like DJ Moore who can take it to the house. And if you notice on the Khalil Herbert touchdown, uh, the linemen were blocking. Uh, they were rated the worst line in the league last year. So that's a major difference. You have DJ Moore, a, a number one receiver, and a line that's going to block, open holes, and protect. It, they can't help but be better. Why throw shade? Oh, he only he only threw the ball four yards, and the, the, the wide receiver ran with it. Who cares? If that happens game one, <laughs> who cares? They win the game. Who cares? Don't throw shade at him. I mean, come on, man. If you're saying, well, you want to see him throw passes, uh, hit, hit the receiver down the seam or on the sideline, or well, you got to wait to see that. He only played two series. He only three pa- he only threw three passes. How much could the man show? Well, you know, normally people who come up with something like that, a lot of times it's one of these college fans who likes the NFL, but they see a play that they don't like. Maybe a fellow SEC guy or even a Big Ten guy know some Michigan fan who doesn't like what he's doing or some former Alabama fan who doesn't like what he's doing in the pros and they just want to keep the shade up. It's the same thing that's happened with Stetson Bennett. You know, coming People just story. want attention nowadays, man. Oh, God, the crap they say. The nonsense you said they said about Lawrence Taylor, man. I'm like, bro, I'm not even a Giants fan. I mean, I respect the Giants. I've always been a Jets fan. I never disliked the Giants, but Lawrence Taylor is one of those guys I got a chance to see from the very beginning until his last game. And I still haven't seen a player like that. I don't give a damn how many players they try to say compared to Lawrence Taylor and all his other nonsense, all the stats they're putting up that might go past his stats. What he did on that football field, man, was a video game. He was a cheat code right when video game – he was a cheat code on Atari. <laughs> he was, man, the, the Atari 2600. He was a yeah. cheat code there. <laughs> and we saw how those graphics were. I mean, he was that early on, the cheat code in football, man, and, and – I see people just throw this up here to say that he's overrated and they have a list of overrated players. And you say him and Jerry, yeah. come on, man. Yeah, the list was ridiculous, man. It was, somebody was either on crack or just dying me, for attention. Huh? So, yeah, look at me, look at me. That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Hey, yeah, Jerry Rice was on the list. I mean, you're talking about the GOAT linebacker and the GOAT wide receiver. Come on, man. Come on, man. I mean, you talk about a wide receiver who ran a 4-6 coming out of Mississippi Valley State, could have played for anywhere in the country. Now that we see in hindsight, he goes to the NFL and just constantly year after year. Look at his record, by the way. The second best receiver still like forever behind him. Randy Moss, more talented, didn't have the work ethic according to everybody, if not most. And Jerry Rice had the work ethic, didn't have the blazing 40 time. But when you watch him on the video, you rarely see him getting caught from behind unless it's down green because <laughs> he catches everyone from behind. Yeah. It could be it came too easy to Randy Moss. He was just so naturally gifted. You know, he didn't have to. I'm not saying he didn't work. He had to work. He still had to work. But he didn't work to to Jerry Rice's level. He didn't run that that hill where other people were throwing up and whatnot. If he would worked out like that and, you know, worked on his routes and, and did everything Jerry did, he'd be the goal. Oh, easy. Just because, easy. just because of his athletic, his freakish athletic ability. Rice ran his routes and got open and had very right. good hands. 
But Excellent. as far as, as far as going to get the ball, who went and got it better than Randy? No, no one. I mean, I, no one. Six foot four, you jump through the freaking jump, jump through the gym when you're playing on a football field. You know, his yeah. speed. I mean, I think it's I, underrated I, as hell. I never saw Jerry Rice shake at the line, take two steps, and put his hands up. He's open. Throw it. You already know. It. Just throw it. Throw as far as you can. I'm gonna go get it. That's Randy. He's two That's yards off the line of scrimmage. I'm over. Throw it. Throw it. And you gotta and you gotta make sure he doesn't outrun it. I mean, he made Randall Cunningham, you know, a great, great quarterback. Because Randall Cunningham is a great quarterback. But he had him just throwing it. Randall, we already know Randall's off. He was throwing it down, and then Dr. Pepper coming and Cole Pepper. He had to there. wait for it. Yeah, he had to wait for it like it was a punt, calling fair catch for a <laughs> And then you bring in somebody like Dante Culpepper who can do the same thing. I mean, he he just had his talent was through the roof. I mean, you hear the stories going back to high school. You can watch the videos or you can just hear about the stories of him when he was at Florida State making them look like clowns when he had a little bit of time there. You know, they let him out there in the practice field. He just embarrassed them until he couldn't stay there anymore after breaking rules. And then at Marshall making those guys look like, man. I mean, the cat in the hat socks. Yeah, right? The cat that had <laughs> jumping over Army's football players on a punt return. I mean, whatever he was doing, man, it's Randy Moss, man. I think still the most talented receiver to ever play football. Jerry Rice, just the best receiver to ever play football. I mean, not just, but he is the best receiver to ever play. So, yeah, man, but, yeah, these look at me posts are annoying. I think it wasn't, wasn't – Sweetness wasn't on there, was he? Who? Sweetness wasn't on there. It's under, overrated. Oh, no. Because oh. if if – just because I would have had to have a hit list against that person. I would have <laughs> looked up his name. I would have been a, a dumbass stalker going to yeah. his profile, trying to find out what I could about him, and I'd have went all in. But For real, I, and that ain't me. I, I don't go to nobody's profile. That's me, though. No, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you get on my nerves, man. I'll be there. I, I mean, I, I find myself – I like, I want to respond. I'm like, why? Why respond? Like, somebody told me a long time ago, um, two idiots arguing from a distance, you can't, I mean, two people arguing from, from a distance, they both look like idiots. So, yeah. why am I getting, why am I going to engage? Um, because they probably just reply with something stupid. And, yeah, they are, man. But yeah, some it, people, you get goaded into some of, the, some of that nonsense yeah, so, now and then. Every now I, and then. I just I just keep scrolling nowadays, man. <laughs> you know, I can get past anybody saying much. You know, even Lawrence Taylor, I don't like that it said. The only one I probably would get triggered because I don't hardly ever get triggered over things like that. You say something about Muhammad Ali, that's ridiculous, man. I, I just can't help it. I mean, it's like, it's like a crackhead, man. I got to come back to the damn scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah man, I agree but, with you. Yeah, man. But, I mean, if you want to say something about Lawrence off the field, fine. But to call him, call him overrated oh, on the field? That's utterly ridiculous. You can't even get what Lawrence Taylor did on the field by watching a YouTube video. You just can't get the full impact of how he played the game watching YouTube video. Even if you just watch the highlights, that's still not what Lawrence Taylor did on the Sunday. I yeah. mean, to see this guy in live games against teams that were legitimately good, those Washington Redskins teams with Joe Gibbs, and he would just – three guys on him, he's still in there. The Saints, three guys on him, a guard, a tackle, a guard, an offensive lineman, and a tight end, and he's still in there. He, mean, he was so great. He made his, his linebacking core that much better because so much attention was paid to him. 
Straight yeah. up Harry Carson and Carl Banks. They look like world beaters. And Harry Carson was already a, a decent player, a very good player before Lawrence Taylor came along. But tell me, his job got so much easier. He still talks about it now, Harry Carson. The guy who won't even let his own grandson play football now because of CTE. But he talks about how much Lawrence Taylor brought to the table in his rookie year. And if Bill Parcells gives you any credit, you got to be a player. <laughs> I'm serious. Right, if he right. just says, he's pretty damn good. Bro, you need a yellow jacket. <laughs> For real. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. What else? We got anything else? Nah, I think you, the door's open for Enos Cantor. <laughs> okay. Enos Cantor. So I have to preface this. I saw a headline. I don't know if it's true. But it said Enos Cantor considering identifying as a woman to dominate the WNBA. If that's true, he needs to get his ass whooped. Come on, man. Do do your thing in the NBA. But we already have freaks out there, men going into women's bathrooms. We got men trying to fight women in boxing, men competing against women in different sports. Even in high school, uh, boys were playing women's uh, volleyball. It's utterly ridiculous. I don't care how you identify. If you have balls and something hanging between your legs, you are a man. You should not be competing against women. And for Enos Cantor to even contemplate that, if he said it as a joke, it, it ain't funny. That's not funny. I mean, it, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can even say anymore. It's just ridiculous. Enos Cantor needs his ass whooped. Probably just for saying it. Even I started off saying if he if he's actually thinking about it or contemplating it, no. If he said it, he needs to get his ass whooped, even if it was a joke. Again, it's not funny. Men playing with women is not funny. Joking about it is not funny. Enos Cantor is a little piece of shit. If he can't get it done in the NBA, then go overseas, play over there. But to, to say you're going to dominate the WNBA, you talk about weak. You can't get weaker than that. Done. Boy, Enos Cantor, man. You know, I actually like the guy. <laughs> but I didn't hear him. I had nothing him. against him until I saw that. Yeah, but you know what? It, 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 you know, it's making a statement, though. I mean, that's making a – he's going political. We know how he is with his political opinions. He's going political with that, man, because of the way things are, the way you just mentioned. Everything you just mentioned with all of these weirdos deciding they want to – they couldn't do it as men. Now they want to go into women. And just decide to dominate the women and because they need their pat on the back or they need their participation trophy to turn into a first place trophy, you know. But what's going to prevent him from doing it? I mean, really, what could prevent him from be going to the WNBA other than, well, not being a woman? I mean, you know, Adam like, Silver, hmm? Adam yeah. Silver, maybe, well, Adam Silver, yeah. Well, well, yeah, Adam Silver, probably. Well, Adam Silver, I think, has something against him, anyways. I think that's why. Uh, the Boston Celtics let him go. You know, the, the political nonsense. And Adam Silva is not touching any of that type of stuff. But in terms of the point he's trying to make, it's it's funny. But I can see how a point like that could be made. You know what I mean? But, yeah, if he's thinking of doing that seriously, man, what for I don't know if, it again? I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but my response to people saying – Oh, I identify as this or let that person right. identifies as that. That's fine. You identify that way. 
but don't shove it down my throat. Exactly. But how about I identify as a billionaire? I go to every bank. I'm a billionaire. Give me all your money. <laughs> and they'll just it's ridiculous, you, oh, right? It's the same fucking thing, man. Absolutely the same, man. But and now in this day and age, we got people talking about different genders and all this other stuff. There's over 2,000 genders I once heard, man. Come on now. You know, school is almost worthless because they're indoctrinating you with a bunch of nonsense that just doesn't even make sense. And it only makes you feel good. And when you get out in the real world, you're going to cry when people who know better tell you different. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just a just a mess, man. I, I know. I mean, our country has already been wussified, man. And it's getting worse. It's, it's sad. Well, it really all, is. It's all great civilizations die from the inside out. You know what I mean? The great Roman Empire died from the inside out. I mean, things were torn up on the inside. The outsiders came in and took over. So let's hope that's not the same case here, but the way things are going, just imagine if someone stormed the beaches of stormed the beaches of the United States. Look who we have to fight back. Some dudes in high heels and a gun. <laughs> Bruh, that's not going to work. But, hey, let's hope it doesn't come down to that. No, well, maybe that's why they're developing drones and, and more missiles and stuff. To blow up the guy with the high heels? <laughs> Get the hell out of here, man. <laughs> Deuces. I'll try to biased. We'll catch you on episode Be back 40. tomorrow. And we yeah. apologize for missing yesterday, Monday, and Thursday. Yeah, but yesterday was fun. But yeah, we'll be back. It was tomorrow. on Facebook. Hardly anybody saw it. <laughs> hey, we had one guy he invited. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's not like our, our uh, YouTube viewers and Spotify listeners. Yeah. Well, catch you later. Next episode. Peace.